In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Amen. Well, good afternoon, church, and good afternoon to everyone who is watching online. Today is a a very special day for us as a church as we celebrate another year in the life of our senior pastor, our father, mentor, Pastor Aguiruku. He is 56 years today. I noticed that nobody had said anything about how old he was. And today he is 56 years to the glory of God. Yes. You know, like a lot of you, I am very grateful to God for having Pastor Agu in my life. You know, it goes back so many years. And I thought about how over 11 years, you know, God has brought him into my life as my husband, a great father to our three children as we heard them speak for themselves. Um, a mentor, a teacher, a friend, a soulmate. And so today, Jesus House, and those of us watching online, I would really, really, really like us to celebrate this wonderful man of God who I call my husband, Pastor Agui Ruku. Amen. Thank you very much, church. Thank you. You know, I don't know whether it is my turning 50 or half of a century. Well, I don't know if it's the start of a new decade, but it would seem to me that time is really passing by very swiftly. And then coupled with the myriad of things that are going on across the globe, the coronavirus pandemic, the crash of the stock market, crash of of shares, Artificial scarcities, no toilet roll, no hand sanitizers. I never thought we'd see the day when you walk into Tesco and there were no hand sanitizers, but, you know, the rise, unfortunately, of mental health challenges, financial challenges. To mention a few, we are definitely living in very uncertain times. And so when you combine the fast-moving times and the uncertainty, it can lead to a feeling of life spiraling out of control, almost like life is unraveling, almost like, you know, people get feelings of anxiety, despair, and confusion, and questions are being asked all over the place. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Today, I'd like to bring a word of encouragement to you as I encourage myself with the title of my message and with this message and the title which is, Your Times Are in God's Hands. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 31 verse 15 says, My times are in your hands, the New King James Version. Or the Passion Translation puts it so aptly, says, My life, my every moment, my destiny, it's all in your hands, Lord. And in these uncertain times, that scripture brings so much comfort, so much peace, so much reassurance to our hearts that God is in complete control of our lives. 
And at every moment, our destinies are in God's hands. And it doesn't matter what the predictions say about coronavirus. Our lives are in God's hands. And so today, church, I'd like us to turn to someone on our right and someone on our left and encourage them with those words that my life, my every moment, my destiny is all in God's hands. Amen. Amen. You know, truth is, a, is such a powerful thing. I love truth. And I think that's why I love God's word. Because it's from Genesis to Revelation packed with truth. And you know, the beauty about truth is that it pushes back every lie. And it pushes back facts. That's the nature of truth. And you know, John 8.32 tells us that the truth that you and I know will set us free. And so in these times of uncertainty, in these times of the corona pandemic, I'd like to bring to us five truths. I'd like to bring to our four five truths that I believe God would have us know about that commodity, that precious commodity called time. So the first is that God created time. You know, we read in Genesis 1 verse 5, and I'm reading the Amplified Version. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And so in this chapter, we see and we read the beginning of time. We also, if we read further into verse 14 and 16... God says, let there be light. Let there be light bearers, sun, moon, stars, in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be useful for signs, tokens of God's provident care, and for marking seasons, days, and years. And let them be useful lights in the expanse of the heavens to provide light on the earth. And it was so, just as he commanded. God made the two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to rule the day, and the lesser light, the moon, to rule the night. And so here we see from this scripture the creation of time, day and night, and the heavenly bodies that God created and placed in the sky to tell us what time it is. And so we see clearly that God created time. The second truth is that God owns time. And someone might say to me, Shala, that is pretty obvious. But even though it might seem obvious, I still believe it needs to be re-emphasized that God owns time. And it's important that you and I have that truth embedded in our hearts. For as long as we don't see that God owns time, for as long as we don't see that he has absolute and complete control of time, in times like these, in times of challenges, in times of adversary, and in times of adversity, and when we come under pressure from circumstances, we can lose sight of the fact that God owns time. And we can think that circumstances and life and what is going on is what owns time when of a truth. It is our God that owns time. The third truth is that God created time to accomplish his plans and his purpose. You know, King Solomon, or the preacher, as he's referred to in the book, book of Ecclesiastes 3.1, clearly states 
that the purpose of time is to achieve God's plans and purpose. For the preacher said there is a season, a time appointed for everything, a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven. So for everything that God wants to accomplish, there is a time for it. When we read further in that same chapter in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, when we go to verse 2 and 8, it elaborates further. It talks about there is a time for this and there is a time for that. And so we see that if God wants something done, if he wants to birth something, if he wants to birth a new move, there is a time for it. The revival that we've been praying for, the revival that is on Pastor Agu's heart, there is a time for it. The same way there was a time for the, revi the Welsh revival is the same way that God has a time for the revival that we're believing God for. And in the same way, there is something that he doesn't want to happen, something that he doesn't like and wants to uproot it, there's a time for that. And I declare and I prophesy that the time for the uprooting of the coronavirus is now and God will uproot it in Jesus' name. So nothing just happens or is allowed to happen outside God's timing. You know, today we're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic and all the confusion and the fear that it has brought. And it is very easy in the midst of this fear and chaos and sometimes a bit of not being really rational to think that everything is just spiraling out of control and God is caught off guard. But it's not true. Because he owns time, and because time accomplishes his plans and purpose, he's never caught off guard. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 46.10, and I'm reading from the NLT, he said, only I, speaking of God, can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I ask or the more known translation in NKJV, which says declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The corona pandemic, the mayhem, and all it's causing is within his appointed time. You know, as we entered into this decade, 2020, filled with promise and excitement, God knew that at this point in time, we'll find ourselves where we are. And you and I must never forget that. The fourth truth is that time is a gift from God to you and I. It is his gift of love. It is his gift of mercy. And I hear it all the time. And sometimes it becomes like a cliche when you hear that time and life is a gift from God. But it is true. Time is a gift from God to you and I. And when we receive that time as a gift, there is an accompanying responsibility that must be attached to a gift so that we can use it wisely. I am reminded of the words of the psalmist in Psalm 19:12, and I'm reading the New King James Version, that so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. For oftentimes, you and I, we live our lives carelessly, it's almost as if time is mine. Almost as if life is mine. It is truly mine. It's ours. And so I live my life as I please, willy-nilly. But it's not true. Time is a gift. It's not
not mine, it's not yours. And the thing about every gift is every gift has a purpose. And if the purpose of that gift is not understood, it will be invariably abused. The late teacher, pastor, motivational speaker, writer, author, Dr. Miles Monroe, a man who truly understood time. He said that when purpose is not known, abuse is, ine- is inevitable. You know, I think it was last year, one, one of us here, uh, a, a great friend, her mom sent honey from Nigeria. I love honey. So she sent, you know, the real natural, you know, honey from Nigeria. And I was so excited. And when it came, it was wrapped in this cloth. And I took it home. I wiped down the bottle, I put it in my shelf, ready to be used, and the cloth that it came in, I just tossed in the bin. I thought, you know, grandma had wrapped it around so that the honey wouldn't spill. And I remember the next time I spoke to grandma, I said, grandma, I'm so thankful for, you know, the honey. I'm really looking forward to it. It's great in all of that. And then she said, oh, did I see the sieve? And I thought, sieve? She said, yeah, the cloth that I wrapped it with, that is a sieve. And because it's natural, you pour the honey through it and it takes out sediments and particles. The sieve was in the bin. I thought it was a dirty cloth. And that's what happens when you get a gift, but you don't know the purpose of the gift. We abuse it. The fifth truth is that time is passing by. It is going by. It is passing by, it is going by for us to achieve what God has created you and I for. You know, I'm always amused when I look at our youngest son, Sochi, and I think to myself, my God, you are nine going on ten. Where has the time gone? I'm amused when I think about it that to a child that is born now, Sochi is old. Time is passing by, it's going by. A gentleman, John Green, said, one day you are 17 and you are planning someday. And then quietly without you ever really noticing someday is today. And then someday is yesterday. And this is your life. So what must you and I do about time that is passing by, that is going by? We must be intentional about it. We must seize every moment. We must take time and wring every bit of it out so that we can achieve what God has called you and I to do. I love that song by Louis Armstrong. We have all the time in the world. Really lovely song, lovely sentimental nonsense. But the truth is that you and I don't have all the time in the world. And so you and I, because we don't have all the time in the world, we must not procrastinate. What God has asked us to do today is the day we must do it. We must start to do it. We must be making progress in the direction of doing what God has asked us to do. I remember when when our our eldest son, JJ, was younger. And much, much younger. He's still young. Much, much younger. And he was getting ready to go to school. And he was wasting time just taking his time. And his mom said, Jamie, hurry up. Time is going. It's galloping away like a horse. And Jamie said, well, mom, I'm riding it. And I'll never forget it. Because that's what time is. It's galloping away like a horse. And you and I need to sit on the horse and hold its reins and and pull it in and ride it into the destiny that God has planned for you and I. Seneca says, you must match time's swiftness with your speed in using it. And you must drink quickly 
as though from a rapid stream that will not always flow. For much may be done in those little shreds and patches of time which every day produces and which most men throw away. We must do it now. I'm reminded of the story in Judges. You know, in Judges, the book of Judges, we read story after story about the children of Israel. They would sin and God will, they would go into captivity and God will raise a judge and they will repent and then they will sin again and they will go into captivity. And it was just a cycle, like a washing machine going round and round. And in one of those times, they sinned yet again. And Jabin, the king of Canaan, came and, and took them away. And the judge at the t- and his commander was Sisera. And the judge at the time was a woman, a mighty woman of God, Deborah. And so God gave her a strategy. And she and Balak, they went, used the strategy, and God delivered them. And we read in Judges 5 from 15b to 16, we read there where Deborah is sitting down and she's praising God. And she's, it's almost like she was looking into the spirit realm and, and giving an account of how God gave them the victory. And in verse 15b and 16, she starts talking about the tribe of Reuben. And she says, among the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. And speaking to them, she said, why do you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. For the tribe of, Jude, tribe of Reuben should have, should have joined with the rest of the tribes and gone out and fought against the army of Canaan. They should have fought against Sisera, not staying at home and saying, oh, I think I'll go today. No, I think I'll go tomorrow. No, I think I'll sit in my tents. Great indecision. You and I need to take hold of the dreams, the plans, and the purpose that God has given us. We need to birth them in the place of prayer. We need to birth them through the word. We need to birth them through application, through discipline. We need to birth them. We need to birth them through diligence and application. Tori Amos says, I don't want to sit on the sidelines and not value the gift of being here. Instead of the idea of time ticking away, the grains of sands running out, I try to think of time as giving me another grain of sand, another gift. So time passing is an accumulation rather than a diminishing. But that's only if you and I realize that time is truly passing away. The sixth truth, and I love it, is that you and I have all the time we need to achieve by God's grace what he has called us to do. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.16 tells us, and I'm reading the Amplified and the Passion Translation. The Amplified says, so making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. The TPT tells us, taking the same scripture, that take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purpose. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. There is enough time if we use it wisely. There is enough time. Seneca said, life is long enough. And a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements, if it was well invested. Life, if well lived, is long enough. For how could a kind and a gracious and a just God give us an assignment and not give us enough time to fulfill it? For every second 
is of infinite value. The seventh truth is that your habits determine the use of your time. My habits determine the use of my time. For habits are a powerful tool. Habits, what is a habit, somebody might ask. A habit is a routine or a practice that is performed regularly. And so the question that I ask you today as I ask myself and I ask those of you watching online is what are your habits? The Bible acknowledges the truth of habits, the power of habits in Proverbs 22:29, And I'm reading the King James Version. It's a scripture we know well. It says, seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men or, as the NKJV says, unknown men. Diligence is all about habits. Diligence is habits. You know, I had a coffee meeting the other day with a great friend of mine, a great um, friend of the house, Pastor Joe Norton. And you know, as, she, as we sat down and we chatted over coffee, she said, oh, what book are you reading? And then she told me that I need to really read this book. And she recommended a book called Atomic Habits by James Clare. And I've started reading it, and it's an amazing book. Because that book shows us how habits are the missing link to effective use of time. And I'll quote some of the things that James Clare said in his book. He says, if you want to predict where you will end up in life, all you have to do is follow the curve of tiny gains or tiny losses and see how your daily choices will compound 10 or 20 years down the line. And so he asked the question, which I ask myself and I ask you, are you spending less than you earn each month? Are you exercising each week? Are you reading books and learning something new every day? Tiny battles like these are the ones that will define your future, that will define my future self. For time magnifies the margin between success and failure. Time will multiply whatever you and I feed it. And so if we feed it good habits, time becomes our ally. And if we feed time bad habits, time becomes our enemy. And so habit is a double-edged sword, good and bad. It depends on how we use it. And so I ask you, as I ask myself today, what has God placed in my hand to do for his kingdom? And what are the good habits that I am doing on a daily basis to make it happen? And in the same vein, I ask myself, what are the bad habits that I am doing? What are the bad habits that you are doing that are standing in the way of God's plans and purpose for my life or your life coming to pass? For you and I must take responsibility. In the church, sometimes we place too much fault and too much act that is the devil's fault and his cohorts. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just that we just need to take responsibility for our habits. We need to max time. We need to take hold on time. And it's just tiny things, tiny changes that make all the difference. So you're listening to me today and you're saying, God has told me that I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write a book. Time says that every day write 15 minutes. God has told me that I'm going to sing. I'm going to stand before kings and I'm going to sing. And time tells me that you just invest 10 minutes of voice training every day. 
or is it that I need to get out of debt? And time tells me that put aside 10 pounds every month and spend less than you earn every month. And over time, compound interest will kick in and you will get out of debt. You know, small changes often appear to make no difference. Until in the fullness of time, you cross the critical threshold and there's a powerful explosion. That's the power of time. Time is so powerful if used right. And I believe today that God will have us develop good habits and break old ones to enable us to be efficient with our time. The eighth and the last truth is that as long as there is life and breath in our bodies, it is never too late with God. God is never out of time. Sometimes you and I can feel that we have wasted time. We have had bad habits that have drained so many years. Or just that the season in which something is supposed to have happened has passed. And it's like it's all over. Body clocks have ticked and they stopped ticking. Life has passed us by. But the beauty of grace is that it's never too late with God. For Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God makes everything beautiful in his time. Whether within season, whether out of season, he makes everything beautiful in his time. Because our God is the master of time. And because of this, irrespective of the time that has been wasted, that has gone by, seasons of life that have changed, that have passed, our God is the master of time. And because he owns time and because he created time, he can step out of eternity for our God does not dwell in time. He dwells in eternity. But to fulfill his plans and purpose, he steps out of eternity into time and he changes things around. He changes seasons that have passed. He changes things that people say that time has passed. He steps into it and he turns it around. I'm reminded of the fact in the Bible that Jesus had to have a forerunner. Jesus couldn't come before the forerunner. And God looked down from eternity and he saw two, a couple. He saw Zechariah, he saw Elizabeth, faithful to his work, faithful to what he had called them to do. And God, our sovereign God, decided that Elizabeth would bring forth the forerunner, would bring forth John the Baptist. But there was a challenge it would have seemed to man, to you and I. That Elizabeth was old. Zacharias was old. Elizabeth's womb had atrophied. There was, there, it couldn't bear. It couldn't bear a child anymore. But God said, I am the God of time. I am the God that owns time. I am the God that created time. And God stepped out of eternity into Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth conceived. And the one that they said is barren now brought forth a child. Brought forth the forerunner of, of, of Jesus Christ. I'm also reminded of Jesus' first miracle in Canaan of Galilee, where he turned water into wine in John 2, 1 to 11. A reflection that was brought to us by Tayo last year. And I can never forget that reflection. And he spoke about how God took water and made it wine. A process that takes years upon years, depending on the quality of the wine. But God in one, it wasn't even a day. I don't even know how long it was, but it was, it was a couple of hours. God stepped into the situation. He took the water and he turned it into wine. 
And so much so that the people that drank the wine were like, wow, everybody serves the bad wine last and sells the good one. But even this wine, my God, it's amazing. Where did it come from? That is the God we serve who steps into situations, situations where things are finished, situations where the wine had finished and the couple risked being ridiculed and abused, but he steps into it and turns it around and makes it better than it could ever have been in human, in, in, with human strength. Our God is a God who owns and creates and turns around time. I'm also reminded of Joshua. As the children of Israel fought the Amorites, and Joshua, as their captain, was standing there fighting. And he had to kill and get rid of all the enemies, but time was running out. Night was drawing near, it was coming darker. And if they weren't careful, they wouldn't have been able to finish the, the battle. But God, once again, steps into time and he causes the sun to stand still so that Joshua could finish the battle and annihilate all the enemies. Our God is a God who, because he owns and creates time, steps into situations in our world. Difficult situations, impossible situations, situations that man has said is over, situations that man has said is impossible. This coronavirus situation, our God steps into it and says, no, I will turn it around because I own and I created time. And so today I've come to encourage you as I encourage myself, especially in this situation, these times we live in. That our times are in God's hands. God owns time. And to push back the lie of the enemy. It's not true. For because God owns time. There is nothing that is impossible for him to do. There is nothing that he cannot turn around. There is nothing that he cannot restore. There is nothing. There is no season that I might have passed that if God says to fulfill my plans and purpose that God cannot step into and turn around. It doesn't matter if the situation has been delayed. It doesn't matter if it's been a long time coming. It doesn't matter if man says it's impossible because he is God who created time. All things are impossible. And so I'm also reminded as I round up of that scripture in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2 from 25 to 32, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And so God gives you that promise as he gives me that promise. He says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming lo locust, the chewing locust. My great army which I have sent among you, the God of restoration of time continues. He says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wonderfully with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. So be encouraged. Those of us here in Jesus' house, those of us watching online, be encouraged. For God is with us. And he has promised us that he will perfect that which concerns you and I. Because our times, your times are in his hand. The restorer of that which was lost. Time that was lost. The repairer of the breaches. The repairer of the broken. He has promised that he will make all things beautiful in his time. In this nation, he will make things beautiful in his time. All over the world, he will make things beautiful in his time. For this coronavirus pandemic will come to pass and he will make all things beautiful in his time. But you and I must know what God has said concerning us. And we see in Ephesians 2.10, and it's almost like it's a mandate for God's purpose for life. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. Each life has a unique assignment that must be accomplished in the number of days, the time that God has given us. But as we heard earlier, that time that God has given you and I is more than enough. But you and I must make a decision today with the help of the Holy Spirit to, as JJ said, take on the reins of time and ride the horse of time so that you and I can fulfill the plan and purpose and the mandate that God has given us all. But you and I must begin today. And so as we celebrate Pastor Agu's birthday, we are celebrating time. We're celebrating his life. We're celebrating the decisions he made. We're celebrating the habits that have brought him by God's grace to where he is today. And I think that wouldn't it be wonderful if this time next year, by God's grace, he's 57 and we gather to celebrate once again. But one person there and somebody here and somebody at the back and somebody online has a testimony about how they heard this word and how they lay hold on time and how they began to walk in the fullness of all that God has planned them to do. How they broke by the power of God bad habits and how they lay hold on good habits. Wouldn't it be a wonderful testimony? And as we end, I'd like us to bow our, our heads, please. Because I believe that the most important thing about time is what also the preacher said in Ecclesiastes 3 at the start. That there is a time to be born and that there is a time to die. And the word of God tells me, as it tells you, that after that, the next thing in time is the judgment. And it's a message that we don't like hearing, but it's the truth. But Jesus says, behold, I stand knocking on the door. And if any man hears my knocking and opens the door, I will come in. And the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And so if you're here in Jesus' house or you're watching online and you hear that knocking of Jesus on your door, today is the day. For only today am I assured of tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And so today, now is the time, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to accept him as such. Now is the time, not tomorrow. And so if you're here in Jesus' house today, and if you're watching online, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to accept him. Now, now, now is the time to accept him. And so if that is you, with just a show of of your hand, just a, just a raising of your hand, so that I know that to pray with you, that's all that's needed. But I can't emphasize it enough that now, today is the time, not tomorrow. Is there anyone that's saying, I want to seize the moment? I want to seize the moment. I want to seize this time to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. And the next prayer that I'd like us to pray. I'd like to pray for someone. Anyone who says today at this time that I feel like my life is in a rut. I feel like I'm hemmed in every side. I feel like 
I just can't do the things that I need to do. I know what God has called me to do. I know the gifts that is in me. But I just can't seem to do them. Today is the time. That God is saying, I'm going to break those strongholds. I'm going to break those limitations. And I'm going to empower you to lay hold on time and to walk in the fullness of all that I have for you. Or maybe you battle procrastination. It's always tomorrow. I'll take my, I'll mend that thing tomorrow. I'll take that rubbish out tomorrow. I'll write that book tomorrow. I'll learn that song tomorrow. Everything is always tomorrow. God is saying that if it's you, that he has come to break that procrastination. He's come to give strength to lay hold on what needs to be done now. And if there's anyone who the enemy has been telling you lies, that it's over, that the season has passed. I've come to tell you that it's a lie. Because our God who lives in eternity and owns and creates time, he steps out of eternity and he steps into our time and he changes our world. There is nothing that is impossible. For I have heard of a woman, oh God, that had entered into menopause 50-something and she had children, she had twins. There is nothing that is impossible. I have heard stories of people that were guilty, but because God stepped out of eternity into time and he just had mercy, the judge said, go, I, I let you go. How God can do anything. Well, I mean, I was, I was saying the other day that thinking about, you know, coronavirus and all that, but God rescued the world from Ebola virus. I think of years ago when the black plague uh, 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 traumatized people people were scared people were dying in the streets of London and how God stepped in and caused a bakery to go up in smoke and it burnt that part of London and that was the end of the black plague how God can do anything but his ways are mysterious but for as long as we know and believe that he owns and he created time and that our lives and our times are in his hands, there is nothing that is impossible for him to do. And so if that is you, any of those three, or anything that I might not have mentioned, I'd like you to rise to your feet so we can pray together and trust God for what he will do in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. And so our Father in heaven, we... We thank you. Thank you for your word. For the entrance of your word brings light. Your word goes forth. And it never returns void. But as it goes out, it accomplishes that which you sent it to do. When your word, the truth of your word goes forth, it breaks down strongholds. It breaks down lies of the enemy. It breaks down limitations, oh God. And so, Father, I pray that your sons and daughters that are standing here and those that are standing on watching online, that every limitation, every stronghold, every lie of the enemy, everything that has held them back from entering into the fullness of all that you have for them, that has prevented them from laying hold of time, being diligent, the good habits, so that they can enter and walk in all that you have for them. Father, we say that today is the appointed time, Father God, when that ends, oh God. 
and they begin to walk in boldness, in fullness, in wholeness, laying hold of all that you have for them to the glory of your name, O oh God. Father, I pray, O oh God, as I said earlier, that, Father, there will be testimonies, O oh God, testimonies of your mighty working power, O oh God. Let every single one of your sons and daughters that are standing, let them have a testimony, O oh God. And, Father, we dare to believe that as we gather next year to celebrate the life of our our pastor once again, that they will have testimonies of how God visited them today, how the Spirit of God moved and did a new thing in their lives, oh God. Father, we thank you for we will never be the same again. And Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for this time, oh God. And we thank you for the testimony of how the coronavirus, the same way it came, it just disappeared. And the nations were made whole again. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen.